Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner college football season to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game that sounds fun so take advantage of this limited time offer now you heard right DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of one dollar or more on any college football game no matter what head to DraftKings Sportsbook now to check out the app and all of the great promotions and daily odds boost that they are offering DraftKings Sportsbook is safe secure and reliable you all know that located right here in the United States so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so you know what you got to do now Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code TBPN to get your $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Coming to you in three, a two, and a one. That's right. That's the countdown. Or as a big wrestling fan, I could say the one, two, three. What's going on, everybody? This is Jason Jones. Welcome to your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. Or should I say latest episode? Edition episode. You know what I mean. Both begin with an E. <laughs> Again, this is Jason Jones, Sacramento Kings, NBA, Colts, no, culture writer pretty much a little bit of everything for the athletic uh bringing you more than a decade's worth of king's beat experience being around this organization the ins the outs uh can't offer you a lot of whys but maybe <laughs> for some of the stuff but hey the that's neither here nor there let's go ahead and just dive on into what we got to talk about today uh coming to you from las vegas 
um, home summer league. I'll be here for a couple of days, not doing the whole, you know, five, seven game, you know, stay. One time I did three weeks out here, and trust me, it sounds cool to say you want to live on the strip, you know, as a visitor, but try doing 22 straight days living on the strip. Yeah. I did that when the Kings won the uh, their last championship, so to speak, the uh, Summer League championship. And by the end, trust me, we all just wanted to go home. But I'll be here for a couple of days. I uh, just got in I'm recording this on a Sunday, so the Kings haven't played yet. So you'll get to hear this hopefully before their first Summer League game. Maybe during it, maybe after. I don't know. But you'll get to hear this and. As we kind of preview what's coming on, uh, or coming up, should I say, the Kings will be playing the Horn- the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets on Monday, and you get to see a guy that uh, many people thought the Kings should have drafted uh, instead of Davion Mitchell, uh, James Booknight, who will be playing who's with the Hornets. But I'll get into some things I'm hearing about Davion, but what I want to start off by doing is recapping last week's California Classic to... Summer League games in, in Sacramento at Golden One Center. Uh, nice crowd. It was weird being in the arena with so many fans um, throughout last season. There was never, there, you know, we the most you had was maybe 1,500 people. So it didn't really feel like a crowd. So it was almost like, you know, with all the COVID protocols and all that's going on, you almost felt like, ill icky. Like, why are you people here? You know, why are we all near each other? Because we haven't been <laughs> close to a lot of people. You know, even uh, the media seating is different because before we were all spread out. Now we're sitting close to people again. It's weird, but we're back. And my early impressions of Davion Mitchell. Uh, I'd, I'd written that I'd be a hypocrite to knock the Kings for drafting a guy who plays defense regardless of position. And... When you got to see Davion play in person, what I saw was an aggressive defender, a guy who'll get into the ball, a guy who who does not believe in letting someone get comfortable. And I'll say it's about damn time the Kings had some guys who felt that way because this, uh, I mean, last year was the tip of the iceberg of bad defense, but my God, they just... This, you know, turnstile defense, uh, Olaid, whatever term for we don't give a damn, we're not going to stop you defense. They play, they played a bunch of it. So you can already see uh, off the bat, Davion's not going for that shit. It's not going to happen under his watch, you know. And that's just, that's uh, tapping into what people have told me about Davion that he's going to change the culture. And not so much because he'll be the best player. You know, but it's going to be what he demands of himself and what he demands of his teammates. And you cu- you couple that with Tyrese Halliburton last year. You say the Kings are two for two then in adding players who help you change a culture. And and I'm not just hearing that from people who know Davion. I've talked to people who do know him, you know, from Baylor days, so on and so forth. But you're hearing that from people within the Kings that this guy is going to help change the culture. And I know we've heard change the culture around Sacramento for 15 years. Hell, I, I, if I have to write change the culture again, well, I'm not going to say anything crazy because I'll be writing change the culture a lot <laughs> as long as I'm around the Kings. But 
to me, it's it's it's, it's, it's eye catching or you no know, eyebrow raising that you've got people already acknowledging that, like I said, in and without, in, within and without, within and outside of the organization that Mitchell's character, his work ethic, his you know just the way he moves is going to have some type of impact on the team, you know, big picture. And that's exciting, I think, if you're a Kings fan, because I think everyone's been waiting for more guys that move the needle in that direction, more guys who will push the Kings in a direction of positivity, because you just haven't seen enough of that around here. So just, you know, just the the accountability on defense, the demand that you play defense. I mean, I've, we've seen plenty of offensive accountability. Hell, how many times has someone looked at Buddy Heald crazy over a bad shot or, you know, things of that nature? And defensively, you know, I'll use Buddy as an example. I know a lot of people, you know, get on Buddy about his defense, but hell. Or they'll get on Marvin Bagley the third about his defense, but is there really a king who can excuse himself from the chatter of last year's piss-poor defense? I don't think so. I think, you know, you got to give everyone, they, they all got to wear an L around their neck for that one. You know, they, they all took a, a collective L defensively. So, when you, hear, you, you, when you hear the whispers about that, about Davion already, it makes you wonder what's going to happen. And what I think is going to happen is, I know Davion's only a rookie. I'm not you know, saying he's going to supplant anyone, but that puts some pressure. That puts a little fire under a guy like a De'Aaron Fox or a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not saying that in a sense of that you know that those guys are sitting around you know eating cupcakes, not working out. But I mean in the sense of when you got a dog and you know a guy who's going to be a dog out there, and you know there's no room for no one to kind of coast. I mean, and too often the Kings coasted last year. I mean, you saw it. We all saw it. They just coasted. You know, if things went bad on defense, who gave a damn? What you going to do, take us out? You know, for most of the season, the roster only had about six, seven guys, you know, a six, seven man rotation that was solid. Outside of that, everything else was kind of like, we'll see what happens. We'll try our luck with something else. But given all that now with, you know, the presence of Mitchell, now say if De'Aaron's having a rough night and, you know, you say, well, gosh, she's got to really get more into it defensively, and he's he's just not there. There ain't no there ain't no worried about. Well, we don't have anyone to play in that spot. You got somebody. You saw a bit of that with uh, Delon Wright last season, but then again, Delon was a new addition. He was still kind of finding his way, you know. And now he's no longer on the team. But I think what you see with Davion is going to be a guy. You can say, you know what, go get that guy. You know what, he's not going to believe in that whole idea of that guy is already hot what do you want me to do i think he's gonna go out there and get some people and he's gonna make life hell on the other team it's not gonna you know just little things the other team won't start its offense right where it wants maybe they start the offense 35 feet out instead of getting their get to their spots which routinely was how the opponents operated against the kings they got to their spots they did what they wanted to do did the damn thing scored a ton of points so yeah, like I said, when I watch Davion, you know, I like that, you know, like I said, that intensity defensively. Um, he's got some offensive game as well. One thing he he knocked himself for was not getting more teammates involved. You know, he only had two assists during the Classic. Not ideal for the guy running your offense. But, you know, this is summer league. I'm not going to get all crazy about that. Those things will come over time. 
that so that was probably the if if you're talking about the kings in my opinion that was the most positive takeaway the kind of uh takeaway uh has to be the you know the way robert woodard shot the ball uh in in those two games wasn't a very good uh (laughs) excuse me shooting performance he looked lost on offense a lot. Just didn't look really good. Too much dribbling, and it was just. And it kind of goes back to the point I made a lot during last season. There were a lot of people, a lot of fans, criticizing Luke Walton, the coaching staff, for not playing Robert Woodard more. And because Robert definitely passes the eye test, dude looks like a damn NFL tight end. He passes the eye test, but in a season with limited practice, limited G League. You weren't just going to throw Robert out there and tell him to play. And as as uh, Bobby Jackson, who's coaching the summer league team, pointed out, Robert's got to fi- figure out what it is he does best in this league. And as he said in the second game, it's not dribble. He's not going to be in this league because he's dribbling the ball everywhere. And you saw a lot. You saw some of that with him. Like I said, the shot wasn't falling. And it's just crazy because Robert's a young player. It's no shame in being a young player trying to find your way. But there are actually some of y'all out there actually believe that the King should have just threw him minutes just because. You know, mind you, he had injuries. So he had a lot going on last year. Like I said, no, no practice. So I, even though he didn't shoot the ball well in the classic, and he had you know some moments where he probably could have run the been more efficient offensively. I think this is good for him. This is this is the time of year to go through all that, figure out what it is you do. And I think eventually, if he's going to make his mark with this team, it's got to be defensively. It's got to be, you know, and then you let the offense come. But, you know, it, a guy that size, that strong on a team that needs guys who are with that size and strength on the perimeter to defend, I still believe Robert Woodard has a great opportunity to make something happen it's just a matter of getting you know keep on getting those reps and making the most of this week in summer league it's making the most of it uh a lot of times you, you can get caught up in the kind of you know the stats or the results of summer league but i don't do that because a lot of times these guys are really just trying to figure stuff out to figure out what will work best for them so I, you know, if Robert's out there fucking up, you know, whatever. You don't want to see it per se, but hey, it's okay. But I just hope that, you know, the way he plays serves as a reminder that generally coaches aren't keeping guys who can help them win on the bench just for the hell of it. You know, generally, if a guy can help them win, they're going to get that guy on the court. And I just remember so much, so much criticism of the coaching staff for just not throwing a young guy out there and... I'm a firm believer. You don't throw a young guy out there to fail. And if they had just played Robert Woodard just to play him last year, you would have been playing him to fail. And I don't. I think they're now in a position to play him to to get better. And possibly, you know, I wouldn't bank on it this season. But maybe, you know, if it's the start of the year, maybe Robert can work his way into the rotation as a defender, another body they can throw at people. You know. Say, for instance, you know, a Mo Harkless turns an ankle or Harrison Barnes, you know, sprains and, you know, something comes up. You have a young physical defender you can throw out there in the mix to give extended minutes to. So in terms of the California Classic, those are my two main takeaways. Uh, Lewis King looked looked um, much better in the second game than he did in the first game. But he's also a guy who has 
a lot more pro experience than a lot of those guys. Um, Jemias Ramsey looked like a guy who hadn't played in a while, and you come to find out he hadn't played in a while. He was dealing with a little, you know, minor injury. He went out there, tried to play the second game, you know, handles and everything weren't quite there. He hadn't played against contact, and you know, in a, in a contact practice up to that point. So, of course, he thought, you know, we was going to be a little rusty. But my two main take, you know, it's the same for uh, Nemias Kata. No, he. The only play he looked good in his brief little ten minute stint in the second game of the classic, but hadn't played a whole lot. Was coming off of an injury to you know minor injury suffered during the uh, pre draft process. So hope people aren't there aren't going crazy either way off of what you saw in the classic. Again, to me the biggest thing whether you like the uh, attitude of Davion Mitchell and you build with that and see where you go. And so just looking forward to this week of Summer League. A couple of things. I'd, I'd watch out for that. I'd look to see if how Robert Woodard is finding his uh, offense. You know, is it less dribbling? Is he, you know, crashing the boards? Is he doing some different things to get himself going? That's one thing that I would look for. I would look for, or you know, looking for a see if uh, Jemias Ramsey's athleticism and shooting can show. With some extended minutes, again, he's coming off an injury, only played sparingly in the first game, his first game, which was the second game of the Classic. I want to see if, you know, start to see if that shooting and athleticism we've heard so much about can translate and they can have something to build on off of that because odds are he won't get a lot of playing time this season and he'll probably be down in the G League with Bobby Jackson a lot. So here's the time for him to build his relationship with these guys or should I say Ramsey built his relationship with Bo- with Bobby Jackson even more so in preparation for what should be a season where he'll look to get a whole lot better and eventually work his way into the rotation uh on to transactions we got some trend you know some transactions became official I don't know why some of y'all were hitting me every time I would mention Tristan Thompson saying Tristan's not on the team. That deal ain't going to happen. I don't know where the hell that came from. But people kept saying that wasn't going to happen. Well, in fact, it did happen. Tristan Thompson is officially a Sacramento King. Rashawn Holmes has resigned with the Kings. Mo Harkless has resigned with the Kings. Terrence Davis has resigned with the Kings. So those are your official, official signings. Of course, you know, Davion Mitchell signed his rookie deal, but that's not really him. That was like a kind of a procedural. It was going to happen. So those are the things that have actually happened officially. Still waiting on the Alex Lynn deal to become official. Hope I didn't get an email about that. <laughs> and uh, while here in Vegas, I just missed it. But still waiting on, you know, for that to become an, uh, you know, an official, you know, official thing. And then. As we sit around, we'll sit around and wait, see what happens with Buddy Hill, and if the Kings are making any more moves. Uh, you, you know, you see, you've heard some of the people, you know, talk, and some of the, uh, the, you know, the, it seems as if uh, the um, there's momentum moving toward. Oh, not moving, to, not, I'm just going to say toward a deal, but you just hear more chatter about the Kings and Pascal Siakam. That's a guy I thought would, might might be a, you know, might be a fit. Might, yeah, he might be a fit, you know, just during the season as you kind of watch the drama unfold in Toronto. 
and this, you know, the idea that maybe the Kings make their mark and by getting a former All-Star who may be in a bad situation and with Toronto drafting Scotty Barnes and maybe them not being as happy with Pascal Siakam as they were in the past, maybe that's a guy who's still in the mix. You know, the Kings still have Buddy Hill's contract that they could deal. They still have Marvin Bagley III who could be dealt. I'm intrigued by what they're going to do with Tristan Thompson. Part of you says that he'll never, you know, that they're going to move him as well because you've got Rashawn Holmes and Alex Lynn on the way. But the Kings list Tristan as a forward slash center. So, in the event that Tristan is still on the team, could we see a, I, I wrote about it a little, could we see a Tristan Rashawn front court together and, and, gets, and gets bigger teams? Don't first off, don't yell at me. I know spacing, spacing, spacing. Don't I'm just throwing it out there against you know to start a game against say a team like the Lakers if they start a Mark Gasol, Anthony Davis front court. Do you throw two bigs out there to start the game to match up? You know, do you throw two bigs against a Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo front court? There's just things to consider, you know, in terms of lineup flexibility with some of these transactions, but. One thing for sure, I could, uh, the Kings are going to be a tougher team for sure. Definitely going to be a tougher team if they keep this what they've got to going so far. And in terms of improving the defense, that's a good start. You know, don't be don't be pushovers. Just go ahead and fight back. So we'll see where that goes. And there's a whole lot more basketball to talk right now because again, haven't seen the Kings play yet, at least not in Las Vegas. And I've told you about, you know, what to look forward to this week. Shared some of the good things I've heard about Davion Mitchell. I'll actually share one more thing. Uh, landed in Las Vegas, and the whole basketball world is here. And so you run into people, you hear various things. And when I mentioned about Davion changing the culture or just kind of his impact on the team already. It's a couple of ran into a couple of scouts and they were just saying that they saw Davion play. Didn't see him, they didn't see him a whole lot in college, but they're seeing him just already. They love that they love the way he plays. They love that he's not just a defender, he has some offensive game and he brings an attitude. So I can't think of the last time I heard someone say a Sacramento King brought some attitude with with DeMarcus Cousins. So it's been a while. So Got that to look forward to when it comes to Davion. And I think I've um, given you plenty on the Davion Mitchell. Uh, is a great human being, a <laughs> uh, great player, um, bandwagon for this episode. So I'm going to transition over to the portion that some of you are waiting for. Some of you may not give a damn about, but damn it, I do. It's the hip hop portion of the Ruler of the Court podcast. Uh, if you see the update logo, got some little hip hop, uh, little tweaks. Shout out to my man uh, Dylan for that. You know, hooking that up. Got a little hip hop to the uh, to the new Ruler of the Court podcast. Uh, check it out. And we got to start. We got to go back. We got to start with the verses from last week. And I admit it. I'm because I'm a big Diplomats fan, and I expected more from Dipset. And damn it. Damn it, damn it. They, uh, 
They, you could say they got ambushed. I don't know what you want to say, but you look at the fact that clearly the locks came for, to battle and they came for blood. And Dipset came to kind of hang out. And my God, I mean, and really, the locks didn't even need the locks. That was really Jada Kiss against Dipset. And Jada Kiss just went in on them. Just went in. And terms of verses, I know it's supposed to be a celebration, not a competition. But if it was a competition, that was the damn most lopsided verses ever. See, and I tuned in late at the end uh, when it aired live and caught maybe the best part of Dipset. But when I went back and watched the whole thing, damn, damn, damn. Like the locks walked out like they were ready to fight. Like, come on, let's do this. Where y'all at? Y'all bring it. And Dipset was like, hey, we here, we gonna chill, we gonna have a good time, but it wasn't like that. And it's amazing that Jada Kiss has been a great MC for what 20 years, but he's the latest uh versus act to kind of get his music and everything a little jump started, revitalized by the verses. And it's kind of just it's, it's still funny to me that people don't didn't realize how good Jada Kiss is. And yeah, he just went for blood against against Dipset. I mean, calling him out for lip syncing the songs. I mean, everything. Just it, yo. Again, like I said, by the time uh, Styles P and Sheik Loose got up there, uh, Locks had a three-one lead in a seven-game series. They couldn't blow that, you know. And I don't know what the hell Dipset was doing with the song selection. I mean, I don't know, man. Like I said, it looked like the locks had rehearsed and practiced and were ready to go. And like Dipset woke up and said, hey, let's go do a versus today. Anyway, that was, yeah, by far one of the most lopsided, just, you know, annihilations in versus history. And then you look at now, he said on the streaming services, Jada Kiss's numbers are are shooting up. And, and, and that happens with the verses because it reminds you how good the music is and in some cases it probably introduces you to some stuff or for me it reminds me of songs i might have forgot about from an artist so i went back listening to some locks i wasn't a big locks fan maybe because they came about during the whole east coast west coast and uh before they were rough riders they were with uh diddy and i really wasn't into the it was like they didn't fit you know looking back their style didn't didn't fit, you know, Bad Boy, which was a good thing on with the Rough Riders because I would look at when I thought of Diddy, especially after Biggie Pat, I thought about Mace, and they're nothing like Mace. So having them together was just it just didn't seem right. But you look at you know Jada Kiss was writing stuff for for Puff, all that, and good to see that those guys got their flowers, so to speak. And now they're all gonna be on tour together. So how about that? It always works out right in the end, right? And that was great. So that's hip-hop portion of the show, number one. And number two, we're going to jump in talk about uh, the great, this great uh, new album out by the one and only Nas, Nasir Jones. Uh, not related to me, but it would be cool if he was, you know, but he's not. <laughs> and King's Disease 2 dropped uh, last week, and... Man, I've been playing it a lot. And I read that uh, you you just go uh, song for song. It's, it's got some good stuff. First song I want to talk about is Death Row East. 
And this is like a, this discusses, it takes us back to the mid-90s, the East Coast, West Coast feud, the Tupac against everyone he didn't like on the East Coast feud, and the whole idea of the, the there was going to be a death row East. And Nas talking about people he knew rocking the death row, death row chain and people from the, from the East Coast and, and that, and obviously Death Row East was a direct affront to Bad Boy. They were coming from, you know, but no New York territory, that whole thing. And just to hear Nas discuss it on a song, and it was just a, I thought it was a well played song, and to take us back to that time. And great music can evoke emotion. And there's a part at the end of that song where. It's at a show when they announced that Tupac passed, and it's, I'm, it's it's crazy being in Vegas discussing this, but that was 25 years ago. I was in college, in freshman year, and hearing that announcement from a concert 25 years ago, it still feels as real as it did back then. But it just is like wow, it it just it just felt real, and. It was just kind of a, it's almost like a, it's weird to have a surreal moment on an album, but Nas created that with that song. Then I want to jump to EPMD too. I'm a big, big, big EPMD fan. I'm a huge EPMD fan. So to have that them on the song, and then to have Eminem on the song, and read somewhere that this is the first time Nas and Eminem have been on a song together. That just seems doesn't seem right. It seems insane. But I'm trying to, I, I'm, you know, that doesn't even seem seem possible that after all these years that there's no way that that was the first time they were on a song together. You know, that could be wrong. You know, ain't like, you know, people have, uh, yeah, but I've read that, you know, that was their very first collaboration. And I think, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, big Nas fan, big EPMD fan. Big Eminem fan. So for me, that song is perfect. I love it. And I know it kind of became in vogue the last couple of years to say Eminem isn't as good as people said he was. Eminem's one of the best rappers of all time. Uh, no question. I don't give a damn what y'all say. You ain't going to try to diminish, no, the songs and what he gave to hip hop. No, after the fact, no. Eminem's one of the best. I love that song. You know, and. I could go track for track, but I'm going to jump to the one obviously everyone talks about is um, Nobody, song with Lauren Hill. Now I've got Lauren Hill to show up and record, and the joke, of course, is that I wonder how late she was to record her, her, her part, but another real good song, just real good music on this. It's like adult hip-hop. It's like hip-hop has grown up, and it's been cool to watch artists from back in the day just mature and grow. And this is the second album in a row. You know, you had the uh, Grammy Award winning King's Disease from Nas, where he collaborated with Hit Boy in the production. And the second one, he's collaborated with Hit Boy again. Got a line with it. I love this IE weather. And I'm pretty sure that is the first time in hip hop history that a rapper has got on a track and shouted out loving the weather in the Inland Empire. For those who aren't familiar with the Inland Empire in Southern California, we're talking Riverside, Moreno Valley hot just like uh weather it's not like the hottest dry it's not like vegas but it's very uncomfortable and 
It can be, especially for those of us who grew up near the water and used to a cool little 78 degree day. So to me, maybe perhaps the greatest accomplishment of that album is that the IE got a shout out for its weather. Or maybe because now it's from the East Coast, maybe he was out there recording this and it was cold back home. Either way, if you haven't checked out King's Disease 2, definitely check it out. I promise you, you'll enjoy it if you're a big hip hop fan like myself. It's a great album. I think we've got another another nom, uh, submission or another album in the running for album of the year. And I hope we get more of those because coming out of quarantines, you know, maybe going back in, I don't know, but should be a lot of good music coming out. So I'm looking forward to that. And with that, you know what? I'm not going to hold you guys much longer. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go take a tour of Vegas. Not a tour, but walk around, get a bite to eat. While it's like while it's like less than a hundred degrees outside, see what it do. So you know where to find me, theathletic.com. Um, you know, uh, culture calculus, the uh, my athletic uh, culture podcast with the great Kavitha uh, Davidson. Uh, the yes, I'm watching wrestling podcast. I do. I'll be recording the episode soon. I've been lazy on that. Not lazy. Just been busy with the NBA. So. I've got a lot going on. Hope you all are out there doing well. Hit me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. Shoot me topic ideas, music suggestions, all that stuff. I'm with it. You all be good out there. You all be safe. I will talk to you when I talk to you again. All right. Be safe. Be easy. I'm gone.